You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. take a minute you know we just sang about Jesus only you and we sang about this idea of him being our firm foundation that which we rest on that which we rely on that which we build our life on and for some of us this morning that might not be our reality For some of us this morning, maybe you're singing those words thinking, that's actually not true in my life. Maybe you're singing those words and you're thinking, I don't even feel like I really know who Jesus is. And I just really felt the Spirit move me this morning to to tell you all that no matter what you're feeling in this moment, The truth of the matter is that God wants an intimate relationship with every single one of us, whether we have given our life to Him 20 years ago and allowed life to just happen, or whether this is all brand new to us and we don't, we're just learning how or who this Jesus is and how we live our life with Him. So I want to give you an opportunity this morning. So I just want you to think for a moment. Where am I at? Where am I at with God this morning? You know, God loved you so much that He gave His one and only Son. His name is Jesus. He gave Him to us, to this earth, to show us what it was like to live a relation, in relationship with God every single day. Wow. And Jesus came and he lived on earth and then he died and he was buried, but he was raised again to life. He was raised again so that you and I could have our lives with God forever because, you know, we're separated from God. We were separated before Jesus did that. We were separated from him because we chose to go our own way. Well, I'm asking you this morning, do you want to choose to go God's way today? And maybe you have done that and maybe you have a relationship with Him, but maybe it's just dropped off a bit. Maybe you're not as intimate as you would like to be. Maybe you feel like you're you're actually really not living with Him as your solid, firm foundation. So with every eye closed here this morning, out of respect for the people around you, because this is a moment between you and God, not with anybody else. This is just a moment for you to ask God, where am I at? And I just want you to take a moment to assess where you're at with God. And if you know that that God is like, there's a tug on your heart, there's your heart is beating faster perhaps, I know that God is speaking to people here this morning. And it's, there's no condemnation. This is not a moment of judgment about where you are with God. This is just a moment where God just wants to reveal himself afresh, anew to you right now. And 
take you into a deeper, more intimate relationship with Him. So if that's you this morning, we're just going to pray a prayer. We're going to pray it all together, every voice in this room, whether you are praying it because you really need to pray it this morning or whether you're praying it in support of the people around you because you know that this is such an important thing, then we're just going to pray it together. So let's pray. Dear God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you love me enough to want relationship with me. I give you my life this morning afresh. Would you take it? Would you use it? And would you take me on this journey with you today? In Jesus' name, amen. You know, that's just a a small step. There's more. Life with Jesus is amazing. If you prayed that for the first time this morning, or maybe you prayed it because you just want to go to a new level in God, can you just like indicate to me, can you give me a wave? Can you just show me that, yep, that's what I need, that's what I want this morning. I want further relationship, new intimacy, a freshness with God. Can you just put your hand up? Awesome. Awesome. I want to encourage you. Maybe you you don't feel comfortable in putting up your hand because I believe that there's some people here this morning that you prayed that and meant it with everything within you. I'm going to be available at the end of the service and I would really love to talk to you about that. I want to help you to find the next step for you and where it is that you can go on this journey with him this morning and forever for the rest of your life. He's so good, right? Come on, let's give him a hand this morning. Mighty King, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you say hello to somebody, tell them how good God is, and take a seat. Thanks, you guys. It's good to be with you this morning. Thank you. I've got my, I think I had my, do I have my daughter's iPad last time I preached to you? I feel like I did and it is going to be interesting. I can't remember the password. Ta-da. There we go. That was good. Thank you, God. God cares about the little things, even passwords. I'm really excited to be with you this morning and to be preaching on in this month of rest. Can you believe we're in July already? Oh my goodness, who's scared about that? Me, I am. It's crazy, July. I feel like this year has flown. Even my daughter said to me the other day, my six-year-old daughter, who's nearly seven, oh my gosh, mom, I can't believe we're so far through the year. My birthday's in like three weeks. And I was like, oh my gosh, her birthday's in three weeks. So I'm gonna like have to work on that now. But you know, God's so good, and this year we, uh, sorry, this month we typically call our month of rest, and we've talked a little bit about that um, this morning, and I just want to encourage you in this. You know, this is not a a month to have a, a month off in its entirety and just do absolutely nothing and purely rest. 
like literally on your bed doing nothing. That's, I mean, who would like that just for a month? Anybody? Yep, yep. Look, let's be honest. It would be nice. But that's not what this week, this month is about. This month is about looking at an aspect of rest and applying it to our lives so that what will happen is over time, bit by bit, we will start to live in a place of rest in God all the time. So it becomes a habit. And as we apply these aspects of rest, as we learn what it means to rest in God, there will be this incredible ability for us to adopt and develop this habit in our world, which then causes us to live our very best lives because we are resting and ensuring that God is 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 what we're resting in all of the time, yeah? So it's just an aspect of rest that we're looking at in this month. So last year, does anybody remember the aspect of rest that we looked at last year? That's testing you a whole year ago. Uh, yes! Yeah, you can't. That's cheating. Thank you. Sabbath. The Sabbath. We talked about the Sabbath last year. Now, here's the next test. Who actually applied the Sabbath to their world? Anybody? No judgment. Yes. Good. Great. A few of you. All right. That's awesome. Because I was thinking last year as I was preaching twice, I'm pretty sure I preached on it twice, I don't know how I'm going to do this, God. I don't know why I'm preaching on Sabbath. Because I understand Sabbath and I know how good it is. And I can see the benefit of a Sabbath. I can absolutely. But I have a life that is too busy to fit a Sabbath in. So what are you doing, God? So you'll be pleased to know that after exploring and looking at it, it only took me nine months to apply the Sabbath. (laughs) Nine months. That's pretty good, right? And it was here with like, at least I did it within the year. You know, I'm still on the journey. Like, let's face it, there are parts of rest that are more difficult than others. I'm like testament to that. And I'm still working on it with God. But I will tell you this. Recently, we went on a trip to Fiji. So a couple of weeks ago, Ben and I. And it was the first time that I had got to a holiday and I had thought to myself, I actually don't really even feel like I need this holiday. And I believe that that is because, you know, when you're dying, like you're just like over the finish line. <laughs> oh, we're there. I wasn't doing that. But I believe that that is because I have been putting this habitual, if you like, this, this ritual of rest into my life on a more regular basis. Not just the Sabbath, although that has been amazing. And I, you know, everybody can do that differently but also other aspects of rest that I have been applying in my world. And can I tell you, it is refreshing and it is so important. So why don't we this this morning get ready to hear what God wants to talk to us in this month that we can actually apply to our lives. And if you haven't applied the Sabbath yet, no judgment because let's face it, it's taken me a really long time, 41 years and nine months almost. (laughs) But let me encourage you to re- revisit that, revisit that in your world and see what it is that God can do in that Sabbath time. There's some really good books, come and tell me, come and talk to me and I'll talk to you about those. This year, we are talking about recalibration. 
Recalibrate is our July series. And you might be thinking, what does that even mean? What's that got to do with rest? Well, in this context, recalibration is the realigning of our lives to God. And it is found in the moments that we choose to wait on Him. Learning to wait on God and wait with God and allow our soul, body and spirit to come back into alignment in all the areas that maybe we've let drift a little or maybe we've let drift a lot. Our hearts and minds recalibrated to be the heart and mind of Christ. Our purpose and life realigned with his purpose for our life. Yep, that's what we're talking about. And like I mentioned, the way that we get there to be recalibrated is through waiting. This is an element of rest that I believe we have lost the art of. How to wait well. How to wait well. So... Like I, uh, as I mentioned, Ben and I were blessed to be able to get away for a week. Oh, you've got that up there already. Cool. So that's, we're coming to that. So you can read that and get ready. But as I mentioned, Ben and I, we were blessed to go on a trip to Fiji just recently. And that was really cool. We got to go with some close friends. And has anybody been to Fiji before? Anybody? Yeah, a couple of people. All right, let me tell you about Fiji. It's super relaxed super relaxed and the people are so friendly like it was just a beautiful place to be i i loved the 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 fiji vibe if you like you get there and you just feel relaxed already and there's this thing that people joke about and it's called fiji time has anybody heard of fiji time it probably applies to other places as well but fiji time basically means that nothing's ever early literally ever early Nothing, and nothing is ever late, even though it kind of is late. So my personality didn't cope real well with that. I like the idea, but when you practically outwork that, let me tell you what it looks like. It looks like Ben and I booking a trip to go to an island where a bus comes and picks us up, takes us to a boat, and we go out to the island. Well, Ben and I... (laughs) get there five minutes early to get the bus to go. Like, it's a 45-minute trip from where we are to get to the boat. So we get to the place that we've got to go early, five minutes, and we're waiting. And waiting. And a few more people come along, and they're waiting too. Great, we're waiting. And before I know it, 30 minutes has gone by. So, you can imagine, I was not coping. I was getting super worked up and I was getting really anxious. So, but I'm trying to like do the Fiji cool thing. So I'm sitting back like, oh, it's not here yet. In my mind, I'm going, oh my gosh, this possibility. They've left us behind. We're going to miss it. We're never getting there. We're never going to this island. Must be a God thing. We don't need to go. Maybe there was going to be a crash on the water and we were never going to get there. Like seriously, this is my mind, Okay. I've got my husband who's like super relaxed sitting next to me thinking, you know, it's fine. It is Fiji. He is Fiji time. (laughs) He totally is. Do you know what he said? Like, this is totally off topic. But when we, 
I'm sorry you're not here, Ben. I'm going to have to tell him he has to listen because I've totally ripped him off. But he's, we're sitting like in Fiji, a few, like literally about five times he said to me, I could really live here. And I'm like, I know you could really live here. <laughs> you were designed to live here. Gosh. Anyway, my heart's beating faster and faster and I was looking around, waiting, waiting, waiting. Not very well. Sometimes waiting is hard. You know, and I've given you a very trivial example of my experience with, me, with waiting being hard. Imagine how I would be if there was something actually important. But, you know, when you are waiting for something meaningful and important to happen, it can be really hard. Particularly when you have an expectation that something is supposed to happen that is not. For me... Waiting, knowing that we had to catch a boat and needed to be on it, made it very difficult. You'll be pleased to know we didn't miss it, Fiji time, all of that stuff, you know, we didn't miss the boat and we got to the island. But the waiting is not not always an easy thing. In fact, it is rarely easy. So what is waiting? It is the eager expectation that you have for something to happen in your life that is yet to occur. Oh, I was going to read to you from this, which I think is really, I was reading this this morning. I don't know why I didn't put it in my notes, but, you know, you just don't do that. And Isaiah, so we're going to come to this passage a little bit later, Isaiah 40, which talks about waiting. But I just wanted to read to you the first little part in um, verse 31 from the Amplified Version. So it's not going to be on the screen, but this really talks about and gives a good indication about what waiting is. But for those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in Him. So there's an expectation, an eager expectation. There is a looking forward to, something that we're looking forward to. And there is hope found in Him. There is a hopeful expectation that something's going to happen. I really love that. So why do we need to wait? Why wait? Because we live in a society today where we don't have to wait for a lot of things, right? If we want to buy a house, we go into debt and we buy a house. If we want to buy a car, we go into debt and we buy a car. If we want a pair of shoes, we'll usually just go and buy them because we've, you know, worked and we've got money and we go and do that. If we, uh, if our kids want something, a lot of the time we just can get it for them. Now, I know that's not good practice, but we can and we often probably have done that. Just come and ask me for all the things you should not do with children. I can tell you what to do. You know, we say that we, oh, we want to communicate with somebody, so we send them a text and we get anxious or upset or worried if they don't get back to us within the first five minutes. Anybody else or just me? Great. We want something to eat and so we go through drive-through or we put something in the microwave or whatever it might be and we really don't have to wait a lot, very long for anything to come to us. So we find it really difficult to wait in a world where we generally don't have to. Who can admit that waiting at traffic lights can be infuriating? (laughs) Thank you, Tom. Good. There's a few honest people among us today. Excellent. Thank you. And when we're waiting for something that's actually important, sometimes waiting feels like the wilderness. 
It feels like we're in a place where nothing is happening. We're wandering aimlessly. But I want to put to you this morning that waiting is all part of God's design. In fact, it is crucial to the journey that we have in Him. Crucial. Let's see what the Bible says about waiting. So, like I mentioned before, Isaiah 40 Verse 30 to 31, it's going to be on the screen, and it says, Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know, this whole chapter in Isaiah has one main theme. Who is like the Lord? The whole chapter talks about, you know, who who are we to question God? Who are we to think that the Lord doesn't know what he is doing or that he doesn't know about us? Who are we to question that? God is in control and he knows all things. In verse 27, which is not on the screen, it talks about God knowing our troubles. He knows all the things that are going on in our lives, the anxiety that we feel, the the physical troubles that we're having, all of the family problems that are going on in our world. He knows that stuff. And yet in verse 31, it says, but those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, mount up like wings on eagles, run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. So I want to talk to you today about this idea that God is actually working in the waiting. God is working in the waiting. In those moments when you feel like you just want to make it happen. In those moments when you wonder what God is doing and why he is taking so long. God is working. We can't assume to know the answer he wants to give us. That's true. We can't assume that the answer will be quick. That is also true. But we can assume that God is working for us, not against us, in the waiting that we are going through. In the short moments and in the long seasons. We have to choose to not rush ahead and allow him to work for us in ways that we do not understand. We don't understand all the ways of God because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so we have to trust him in that. Why wait? Because it is in the waiting that we are strengthened, we are given power and given endurance and ability to run the long race of life. That's why we need to learn how to wait. If we look at scriptures like Romans 5, verses 3 to 5, James 1, 4, Hebrews 10, 36, you can look those up later, they are all talking about persevering, this idea of perseverance and the long haul, the long distance. Romans tells us that through perseverance, we have our character built, and from character being built, hope is developed. Now, we talked before about having hope in God about waiting for the Lord means having hope for what he is bringing to us, hope for the future. And there's plenty of verses in the Bible that talk about that. And our hope will be developed as our character has been built, which comes from perseverance. So these things are all linked. We have a lifetime ahead of us. God knows that. 
And he wants us to be grown and developed bit by bit through the waiting and the seasons and the things that are going on in our world so that we get to the end built up, grown in God, our character strong. And, re- and, and we have been ready for all the things that God has placed in our world as we've walked through the journey of life. It's not a quick sprint. During these moments, there are two things we need to do. We need to wait on God. We need to wait on God because he will give us our strength, which Isaiah talks about. He will give us perseverance. uh, Sorry, he will give us, uh, strengthen us and grow us. And he's doing a work that only we, only he can do. And we need to wait with God. So there's two different things. We're waiting on God to do what only he can do. And we're waiting with God, which is what we were talking about before, this intimacy with him. We're not ignoring God and we're not pretend, you know, we're not just letting God do what he does in the background and we just go on with life. We're actually walking with God in intimacy because that's going to build our character and our and perseverance and all of those sorts of things. That's where we're going to find our hope for waiting on God. No, I'm not an athlete. I once was, yep, truth, I'll find you a photo if you don't believe me. But I once was an athlete. And I remember when you ran lots of races and like particularly running lots in a row, you would need time for your body to rest. Because if you didn't take time for your body to rest and wait for the next race, then you would be too tired to run the next part of the race that you've got to run or to do whatever it is, the discus or whatever it might be at an athletics carnival if you're at one of those. You know, there's this idea that our body requires time to rest because we weren't designed to run full steam ahead all of the time in every situation like crazy people. I'm learning this. You know, waiting requires us to place value on the waiting. We need to place value on the waiting. It's worth taking time to wait on God. It's worth it. I was going to call this message, It's Worth the Wait, but then has anybody read the book by Jason Stevens, Worth the Wait, about dating and waiting for the person? So that's all I could think of after that. Yep. But it is. It's worth the wait. You've got to be remembering this. It is worth time taking the wait on God because in the waiting there is strength, power, stamina, and energy to continue on. So I'm asking us this morning to have a shift in our perspective on waiting. A shift in this idea that maybe we've seen waiting as a hassle, as a pain, as a punishment. But I want to ask you this morning to realign your thinking with God, to recalibrate this morning what He thinks about waiting, to place value on it, to know that it is actually full of worth that it is part of rest and that it, is ha- it has incredible value in our lives. It's not just the means to an end. It is part of the answer. It's not just a means to an end. It's actually part of the answer. It's part of us becoming more like Jesus. It's not just something that we need to endure it is something that will cause us to soar. We're not just enduring it. We are going to rise up like wings on eagles. There's that idea of soaring with God. Wow. 
They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God uses the waiting to change us. To change us, to be more like him. It is our lives are are to be used to glorify God, right? Yep. Imagine if... As Christians, we lived counterculturally, just for a moment, not allowing the world to dictate to us this idea that we can have whatever we want, whenever we want it, and maybe coming to God with this attitude of, well, you know what, I have the right to this. I, everybody, like everybody else has got it, I want that too. You know, who are you to tell me I can't do that or I don't, or that I shouldn't have that or that this shouldn't be happening in my life? And we come almost like a spoilt brat to God, expecting that he's just going to make everything happen that we've asked to happen in our lives or that we think should happen in our lives. Imagine if we didn't have that attitude. Now, I'm not saying that we all do, but maybe sometimes in some ways we do have that. We have that attitude in our mind that expects that God is just going to perform for us whenever we ask him to. Imagine if we didn't allow the world to dictate that to us, but in fact we allow space to actually seek God for his purpose and will in our lives and allow him to speak into the desires of our heart and help us to wait for the things well, wait well for the things that he has placed on our heart. To not rush decisions because of pressure we feel from people around us. We've all been there. People who don't perhaps know God, who perhaps think that we just need to make a decision and go in a direction. But actually, no, we want to wait on God. We're living counterculturally. Allowing God to operate according to his timetable and trust him in it. I have so many, like I could pretty much just be anecdotal for this whole message because I have so many not waiting well uh, stories. (laughs) But I remember when I was single and I did not wait well. All I wanted was to be married. All I wanted was a husband so that I could, you know, get on with life. That's all I wanted. I just wanted to, your life doesn't start till you're married. In my head, that's what I was saying to myself. I was so incredibly impatient for Mr. Wright to come along. All my friends were getting married. They were having kids. And I was like, this is not fair, God. You are being ridiculous. This is just stupid. And so I tried everything that I could do to force the issue. Everything that I could, everything I could think of, I would be like in, you guys would have been like very much a part of this season of my life where I would be in every place that I could think of that there would be single guys. Like I would find a place. I think I ate at YWAM about four times a week. No joke. No joke. Of course, because it was a spiritual place to learn and to grow. But no, no, I just went to eat there because there were single guys there, for goodness sake. Let's just face it. I know, it's terrible. I'm a terrible person, but I'm not really. But I was trying to force the issue. I, and I would pursue people that I knew were not going to be good for me. I would absolutely pursue them. And then, so impatiently waiting for Mr. Wright. And then Ben comes along and I knew that he was the one. If only... I had enjoyed the time in the waiting instead of being impatient 
and, uh, and, and mad at God because he wasn't doing what I thought he should be doing. If only I had enjoyed that time. People say, never live with regret. Well, you know what? I disagree with that because you can learn from the regrets in your life. And that is one thing, one place that you would think that I would learn from immediately. But no, 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 there's more. So Ben and I started dating. And I was like, thank you, God, you brought this guy along. This is amazing. He's the perfect person. And I've talked to you about Fiji time. Well, Fiji time applies to getting married as well when you're Ben. So we were dating for what seemed like forever before he finally asked me to marry him. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is ridiculous. And I was angry with God at that because I wasn't happy waiting for the right time and waiting for Ben to ask me to marry him. And then it came to kids and the same thing. So you can imagine what, my, you can imagine what Ben's life was like, but you can imagine, <laughs> poor thing, but you can imagine what's going on in my mind, this waiting, 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 seriously, God, do I have to wait for everything? You, I couldn't learn my lesson. Maybe if I'd learned my lesson, it's not a punishment. But, you know, God's building character. He's trying to teach me things along the way, and I'm not getting it. So there's going to maybe be different times where I'm going to have to wait longer than maybe I would have if I'd learned the lesson ages ago. <laughs> not because God wants to punish me, but because God wants to develop me and grow me and into the person that he needs me to be so that I can be standing in front of you today preaching a message that I wish I could have preached to you 10 years ago, but I could not have. Imagine how much richer my life would have been. Wow. Now, I'm not saying that I didn't have a great life. I totally did. But we can miss out on so much of the joy that God has got for our lives if we are impatient in the waiting. If there's one thing that you can take away from today is be is to just allow yourself to enjoy the seasons of life that you are in. Enjoy what is going on around you and don't be impatient for the next thing to come along, but allow God to work with you while you enjoy what's going on in every single season. Don't have tunnel, absolutely, good things come to those who wait. Don't have tunnel vision on the promise that you think God has not fulfilled and only look at that and don't forget to look around at all the other things that God is doing in your world around you and take time to enjoy them. You know, there is actually something happening while nothing seems to be happening. God is changing us from the inside out, building us to be the people he needs us to be, to glorify him and take hold of the promises he's given us. I, was, I read through my notes and I'd forgotten that I'd written this. The delays we have in our lives are not God's denials. Sometimes, maybe, but sometimes not. The delays in our lives are not God's denials. It's just he's, perfect, he's got perfect timing. It's just not our timing. So I want you to think this morning. I just want you to take a second before we look at practically how we can wait well, I just want you to have a think this morning about something that you're waiting on or a promise from God that he's given you. Maybe it's a promise of financial freedom. Maybe it's promise of a baby. Maybe it's promise of a spouse. 
a house, a job, the restoration of a relationship. Maybe it's a promise of freedom in your mind or healing, whatever it is that you are waiting for. And I want you to ask yourself, how are you feeling in the waiting? How are you feeling in the waiting? Are you anxious? Are you worried? Are you trying to make something happen? Are you trying to direct God's hand? What is it that you are? How are you feeling in this waiting? Do you need to shift the perspective that you have right now? Do you need to resubmit something to God and allow him the space he needs to move and enjoy the season around you while faithfully waiting for him and his timing? What do you need to do? His answer, his strength. This is the promise for you in the waiting. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up like wings on eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That is a promise that you can lay hold of this morning. That is for you in every season you find yourself, whether you're waiting for something small or waiting for something seemingly humongous that just doesn't seem to want to happen. That is the promise for you. So God is working in the waiting. Can we say that together? God is working in the waiting. And there is therefore purpose in the waiting. It is not God's way of making life hard for us. I want to make that really clear this morning. So if that is the case, then how do we wait well? How do we wait well? I'm going to be really practically practical for you this morning. Like I said, I haven't always been the very best example of how to wait well. In fact, I can tell you how to wait well because I have not waited well. And now I know what it looks like to wait well. But I'm not the only one. I'm in very good company. Some of you might remember a group of people called the Israelites. Anybody remember the Israelites? If you don't know who the Israelites are, I'm going to give you a brief, exa- a br- a brief introduction to the Israelites. The Israelites were God's chosen people, the people whom he chose to be in close, intimate, covenant relationship with him from the beginning of time and who he wanted to use to spread his name and glorify him to all of the nations, not just within their own community, but to everybody. Now, the Israelites were told to multiply and that they would have favor, and that absolutely happened. But what happened was, because of the favor of God on their lives, because of the favor that they saw on their lives, they became the enemy of the Egyptians because the Egyptians were jealous. Now, this is like a very quick, I've like totally condensed like a whole book into like 10 lines, so come on. You need to read Exodus to get the full story. So they were told to multiply, but they became the enemy of the Egyptians. So the Egyptians oppressed them and made them their slaves because they weren't happy about that. But God, of course, was not going to leave them in that position because they were his people. They were chosen. And so they raised up, he raised up a guy called Moses. Has anybody called, heard of Moses? Yep. They raised up, he raised up a guy called Moses who led the Israelites out of Egypt through the parting of the Red Sea. We've all heard that story, part the Red Sea. And not only did he do that, but there were other incredible signs and wonders to release them um, out of oppression to, and take them on a journey towards the land that God had promised them. 
On the journey, they came to a place called Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, they were were given a chance to rest while Moses went up Mount Sinai to talk to God and to hear about the instructions that God was going to give them to be able to do this journey well. So they had opportunity, if you like, to recalibrate and to just realign themselves. They've just had a massive run out of Egypt. They've been on the go. So this is time for them to recalibrate. Right, God? This is what, you know, God gave them some instruction, told them what they should do. But I think Moses was trying to get some more information. And so he was talking to God. So the Israelites just needed to wait. Here's the key to wait for Moses to come down from Mount Sinai to tell them what the next step was, to tell them what God had said. But they couldn't wait. So we're going to read a little bit from Exodus 32. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. I don't know what you think so long is, but so long to me was not the amount of time that Moses was up on that Mount Sinai. You should read about how long it was. It wasn't that long. But when they saw he was taking so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron, who was the guy that Moses had left in charge, and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us out of Egypt, we don't even know what's happened to him. As for this fellow Moses, yeah, this guy who brought us out of Egypt, I think we're, you know, getting the picture here. So they gather their gold and created a golden calf idol, which they begin to worship, saying, these are your gods who brought you out of Egypt. What? Do they not remember what just happened? Pretty sure you just made those gods so they couldn't have led you out of Egypt because they weren't even in existence. Moving on. And the Lord said to Moses, go and sort your people out. He didn't really say that. He says it a lot nicer. I'm just telling you that in the brief version. Go sort your people out. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. The Israelites were impatient. They didn't actually trust that what God said he was going to do, he was going to do. So they took matters into their own hands and as a result, God was not super happy with that, understandably, because these are the chosen people who he wants to get there. Remember, the purpose of them is to get have intimate relationship with God and to get his name out to everybody. And they've just made a new God. They've just made somebody else to like tell everybody about that they could see. And the funny thing is that they actually wasted time by trying to make something happen. They wasted time because Moses came down the mountain and had to basically start again because the commandments that he brought down with him, he shattered into a thousand pieces maybe not a thousand, but a lot of pieces, and, you know, had to go back and start, basically start again. So they wasted time in trying to make things happen. So from this, how can we learn about how we wait well? Firstly, we have to remember what God has done. That's our first point. Remember what God has done. Look back on your life and see what God has done in your world. The Israelites were quick to make an idol out of their own hands, which they then called a God, without remembering that the true God had actually led them out of Egypt in an incredible fashion with signs and wonders that I'm pretty sure a golden calf is not going to be able to replicate. But they forgot the wonders and the grace that they have seen from God as they walked out of Egypt. They couldn't remember that. 
Look back and see what God has done in your life and remember the ways that he has come through for you before. Remember that. These are not in order of priority. These are just some ways. The second one is wait patiently. Who hated this when they grew up? Wait your patience. Who says it now as an adult? Yep, me. It's unbelievable how many times I say, wait your patience to Maddie when she comes home hungry, hangry. Hangry is a true thing from school. And she is literally having a tantrum on the floor in front of the pantry. And all she needs to do is open the pantry and get something out and she'll be fine. And yet she is so impatient in the waiting that she can't see beyond her immediate hangriness to understand that there is food at her fingertips. Because God's timing is never late and never early. It's always on time. Fiji time. (laughs) Don't look to others to see the things that are happening in their world and the timing that's happening in their world because their journey is not your journey. We need to embrace our own journey. Something that's happening in someone else's world doesn't mean that God's punishing you and that that's not going to happen in your world, but it's just not the timing for you. So please don't look to other people. Look to God. This leads to us trusting God. Be honest with God. He has really big shoulders. You can be honest when it's hard in the waiting. He wants you to be honest when it's hard in the waiting. The Psalms often come to a place where they're like, God, you, this is the worst. This is terrible. My enemies are going to crush me. And then we get to the end of the Psalm, but God, but God, I will put my trust in you. But God, I know you're going to come through. Embrace this journey. You either believe that God is in control or you don't. Which is it? There is no in between. Don't rush ahead. Just allow God to speak to you in his timing. Allow God to direct your steps. Don't try and force the issue. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust him. Pray diligently. Pray faithfully. This is the part of the waiting with God. This, if there is one thing you can absolutely do, an action you can take in the waiting, it is pray. Ask God to reveal his ways and to give you wisdom. This is how we stay in step and wait with God. Not just sitting back and waiting for God to do his thing with nothing, but actually remaining in intimate relationship. How are you going to hear the voice of God if you are not in intimate relationship? How are you going to know when the waiting is over? How are you not going to be ready for the suddenlies that do happen in the waiting if you are not hearing the voice of God, if you are not journeying with him in that he is guiding us don't fill your life don't busy yourself with a thousand other things to keep you away from God and the relationship you have with him and keep you away from knowing what you're waiting for remember you are still waiting remember to press into him pray during that time like the Israelites they couldn't wait so they found something they could see they didn't have to wait for a golden calf. Have you created an idol out of something else? Have you created an idol out of something else that gets all your time and your attention so you don't have to think about the waiting? Ask yourself, have you replaced your relationship with God with something else? Romans 12, 2 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction and faithful 
in prayer. Patient, another word for, you know, waiting. Be patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, which leads me to the final practical way to wait, which is find space. Don't fill your world up. Don't keep yourself busy to distract yourself. Take time to spend with God. Jesus withdrew. Jesus took time to spend with God. Take time. Make space. Remain confident that in the waiting, we don't get deterred by the seeming silence or feeling that nothing is happening. Psalm 27 says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So I want to ask you this morning, what are you waiting for? I asked you right in the middle of the message today, what are you waiting for? What is the thing? What is the promise that God has given you? And is there something that you need to resubmit to him today? Because you've been trying to make happen in your own strength, maybe. Maybe you can see that you're anxious or worried about something. That's a really good indication. You need to give it back to God and learn how to wait well. Maybe you're struggling in the waiting and you just don't know if you can do it anymore. That's okay. God is here this morning to meet with you. Maybe you've realized that you've busied yourself and you no longer have to think about the thing that you were waiting on. And you need to press into God for his blessing through this time. We're just going to take a couple of minutes. I know I've gone over time and I apologize. But I want you just to stand in this moment. And I would just like you to wait on God right now for him to illuminate in your spirit what it is he wants you to take away from today. And this altar is open. So as we do this, this altar is open for you to come and maybe have somebody stand with you. Maybe you can relate to the stories that I was telling you about not waiting well. And maybe you just want to make this a a line in the sand where you say, I'm not going to live like that anymore. And you want somebody to stand with you and pray with you. This altar is open for you. Maybe you are no longer confident that what you are waiting for is going to happen. We want to pray with you this morning so we can take a moment to recalibrate our heart and mind to that of Jesus. So we're going to sing and we're going to be here to pray with you and we're going to allow God just to do a work just for a couple of minutes. Thank you, Lord. So this altar is open. Please come down and use it. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.